start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhard. Yes, we are back from a quick break. It was just a week break. I am Bill Kornfeld. So glad you are here. We'll get into why we had a week off. Just a few minutes, something personal on my end. Scott, across from me, Scott Weinhardt, also has a personal announcement that he will be making throughout the podcast. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about some hockey news. Scott, how's it going, brother? Hey, man, it's good. You know, for the first time this week, I didn't watch any 90s hockey. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> for the first time during the whole break, I didn't watch any, you know? It's a miracle, right? <laughs> it, it is. Like, you're right. That that whole line about living in the 90s, I've gotten away with it, and I've learned to appreciate today's game. And you know what? Every morning when I get up, my son, the first thing he wants to do is he wants to watch hockey highlights. So YouTube has a great thing where they have all the different playoff years. They had yeah. 2018, 27, 2019, 2018, 2017, all the years, all of the first round goals, like every single game from the first round, all of the goals. So seriously, that's that's I, I've been I've been digging on that. It's pretty awesome, actually. There was a I want to say it was I guess it was 2012 or 2011. There's a YouTube video out there of all of Claude Giroux's points from that yes. year, goals and assists, and it's incredible. Yeah. I think it was the year he was seriously in the heart conversation. Like, at the end of the day, it ended up being Ovechkin or Crosby, whoever it was at that, but maybe McDavid. But, um, yeah, it, it was. it's always cool to see those because you really appreciate – you start to really analyze. That's a good. That was actually a really good video to probably go back and watch for our listeners who now have seen our – Chalk Talk series on the F1, the F2, and F3, you probably get a really good analysis of where that lands in those videos. I got a little Specifically plug Claude. I got a little plug. Plug in, our, plug in our videos and that. But he's absolutely right. I mean, it's the truth. You can kind of see where Claude kind of went from being more or less at the beginning of his career, more or less a role player, not role player, just a young player, like 2009, 2010, 2011, being a guy who's more of a second line player, yep. more of like an F2, F3 player, to me, more where he transitioned to being the center on the team and being the F1 and driving the play and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you could definitely see that because they have one on there as well where it's all of his goals, all of his points throughout his career dating back to 2009. That's a pretty cool one, but I mean, at the same time, too. It kind of stinks because right after they like score the goal or whatnot, they don't replay it or break it down. It yeah, just, they just right. show those clips. So you you have to rewind it a few times to really break it down and you know all that stuff. So it's not a full highlight, but those things like you're right, they're absolutely very cool to go back and watch. Like it's nice to go back and watch all the goals from someone's career. There's a guy on YouTube who does who has Connor McDavid's all of his goals. He's the one who did the 16, 17, 18, 19. Those compilations. I haven't gotten yep. through it yet. Yeah, I watched one the other day from the 2010 final run with the Flyers, all of their goals. And that was really cool to go back and watch because right around the same time, last week was the anniversary of Game 7 when the Flyers went down 3 nothing against Boston in the series and then in Game 7 and then came back to win it. And uh, that was go back to cool and relive that at the same time too. So there's yeah. a lot of good stuff out there where if you want to oh, like course. watch it, like people just dive in, man. And if you, you miss it, it's there. And the one we talked about two weeks ago that you said you watched in its entirety. You watched basically two games in one night in the, the Penguins-Flyers game that went to five overtimes. with yeah. uh, Like, that. that's out there. Like, you can watch. It's it, like, again, it's one of these moments where you look at the NHL and they allow – well, I don't know if they allow, but they kind of just like let it happen. They don't do anything legal, legal repercussions about it. Yeah. And they just kind of let it fly. And you that's a 
uh, that's more an advantage than a disadvantage in today's world that's a digital medium. Like, this is, should be a huge advantage for hockey. And they kind of just, like, let it happen. They don't really blend in or lead into it. They just kind of let it happen and hope that it drives viewership. And it's kind of murky if it actually does or not, I would say. I mean, you know, you see sometimes, like, the NFL is really big about making sure their content comes from them and not anybody else. Right. So I'm thinking, like, yeah. here's – I don't understand that concept. Like, I understand. If if someone is claiming it as their property, obviously copyright infringement. But the point is, if someone has, like, a fan and wants to post up all of the Eagles touchdowns from the 2017 season in one video – yeah. It, doesn't that benefit the league? Yeah, financially, they're looking at it and say, oh, well, someone else could be making money off that. But, you know, if you don't have it on a monetized account, and like and it, you're, you're promoting the game for free, basically. These people are promoting the game for you. You don't have to do anything. Right. And you're, it's like you can still make that and charge 15 bucks, 20 bucks for the DVD or the digital release of it if you want, as the NFL can. Right. And I'm sure people will buy it because chances are it's in like – 1080p hd quality and it's just probably will have bonus features of behind the scenes commentary that you can make and it's again it's just something that people will buy if they want to buy it like my wife still buys cds at at target or wherever they're selling them now like (laughs) um, i have a spotify i think 90 it seems like 90 percent of listeners of music have a spotify i'm sure that's over exaggerated but still it seems like everyone has either a spotify or uh apple music account instead of buying an uh, album but there's still people like my wife i get it like i live and die by apple music i think that's the greatest thing that's ever invented in my opinion because on my phone i mean look before apple music came out i had like over ten thousand songs in my library oops i shouldn't have said that i'm probably gonna get sued now but (laughs) the whole thing is is that yeah i spent a lot of time on napster and kazaa and all bear share and all those different ones that and to, to get those songs that you like and you build your library out of it but the problem is it would take up all so much room on your phone you'd have to like You'd run out of text room space and all this stuff. Like now, and, just and the, threat of a, and the threat of a virus that would destroy the family computer. <laughs> yeah, none of that too. Like on your on your iPod too. Like you can only fit so many songs. Like yeah, I remember my iPod Photo that got me through college. At the time, they were still like kind of new. My buddy was like, "Here, give me fifty bucks and I'll give it to you." I was like, "Hell yeah!" And it got me through college. But like, you could only store like two hundred fifty songs on it. So like, you know, you didn't have a lot of diversity. Now with that, it's great. So my point is, is that. You know, if stuff is out there, just let people use it. It promotes whatever. Like, you know, the, the, my wife, sometimes she I don't have to know she'll buy CDs anymore. But the point is, is like every year around the holidays, she has this one CD that she always has to listen to. Like it's yeah, just right. her thing. So right. CDs still have a strong media with it, because especially with the nostalgic purpose. But if you want to listen to a specific album with everything on it, a CD is the most one of the most efficient ways you can go. No, I totally agree and it's just one of those things that the nhl could use their own or their own and they kind of do um but let's get into this like i i love this idea that uh pierre lebron of the athletic um had a great article today i think it was today maybe yesterday i can't remember but basically what what's happening it's okay it was today what what's gonna happen if hockey comes back and i think hockey is better especially with the continuing news of states reopening to their own acclimation and their own regulations, stuff like that. It's looking really good, despite my pessimism, that hockey will more than likely come back in some manner. Um, and they're going to do this, it seems, this 24-team bracket, 12 teams from the East, 12 teams from the West. 
and they're just going to let it hash out. I, I, I think you read more into it on what the details were. But overall, what's your thoughts on this? How, how do you what do you think of this idea? Well, first of all, there's one thing I would just want to say. I told you so. Yeah, I, I, I'll eat. I, like I said, I would eat the crow. I, and it's just, <laughs> I, I, again, I'm not upset that hockey's coming back. Obviously, I love hockey, especially because how good the Flyers were playing when this stoppage happened. But you know, when you're dealing with something you literally don't know anything about at the time, it's kind of scary to think about anything other than sports coming back or the possibility of sports coming back when you are facing something you don't know and you don't know how to fight it yet and we still really don't know but uh, it's looking more manageable than what we were talking about um in march that's for sure and that's true and and, you know there's there's a lot that's coming up i think the great thing is is hockey is coming back gary bettman said yesterday there is even no thought of any time of canceling the season they're gonna figure out how to get it done that's great there's a good and a bad thing from this. Now that we're starting to see traction, that things are starting to come back, I think it's good because the game is coming back. It's going to give something unique that the fans have never seen before, and the NHL has a lot of ability here to be creative about it and really kind of survey this and say, okay, do we really want to get creative in the future and kind of do something like this again? It might give them an edge over something else like the NBA who probably wouldn't do something like this. Baseball. Bryce Harper has to come out with ideas to what the, the league you do because they don't know what the hell they're going to do because they can't and find by the way, to play. We're obviously not a baseball podcast, but Bryce Harper do everything other than like one or two things like the seven inning uh, double headers like like they do it in college. I read, but like for the professional level, I'm not a fan of it. Overall, the MLB and and uh, Rob Manfred just look at that and do it. That's all you have to do. Like the, yeah. the, Bryce Harper's plan. Do it, and you'll you'll have baseball back. I guarantee it. And again, logistics come up with an issue with it. The logistics are having a problem at the NHL right now. But the point is, is that <laughs> oh, just, I, well, I, okay, this is a perfect moment to explain why I was off this week because he just literally ran into my backyard sliding door head first. What? what? Yeah, so I was off last week uh, because my family, my wife and I, had added an addition to our family. No, we did not have a kid. We had, we bought a puppy. We have a chocolate lab named Mowgli, like the Jungle Book character. Um, And yeah, I think he's coming in 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 a few minutes after his long walk with his, uh, my wife. But I just heard him bang into the door. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's a, off to a good start. Head first, it sounded hey, like. Congratulations to the new addition, man. That's, Thank that's you. The, that's He's the best awesome. thing ever. Hey, yeah, listen. my first dog, too. Really? Yeah, my oh, wife. Man. This is my wife's third. Um, uh, she's had a, a golden retriever and a German shepherd. This is her first lab, and this is my first dog in general. So I'm I'm excited for it. It's been it's been a little touch and go at times obviously just like any like i'm sure you had with the newborn but to a lesser degree a, a puppy is uh, obviously a le- much lesser degree puppies pretty no. similar and it's just it, like you it, know it, i don't think it's a lesser degree at all because listen that their newborns and puppies have everything in common they make a lot of noise yep. and they crap all over the place on yes. demand so, yes, literally. That's the point. So, everything is a bathroom, and then what happens also with newborns? Everything poos right into their mouth. So you you know you're gonna find pillow cushions chewed on. Kids will chew on anything. I mean, if they're when they're young enough. So yeah. Uh, but 
first of all, congratulations to you and your wife, man. That's fantastic. I, me personally, I'm a big time lab lover. I love labs. I think they are the most the one of those loyal dogs you could ever have, and the most fun dog it, it, yep. I've ever had. I've had a couple. I've had I've had a lab before, the lab collie mix, and she was the absolute best. And that's awesome. You know, yeah. You know, I, I give her we'll up to, one of the we'll hardest things to do, but you know. we'll definitely bring them down when we this quarantine is over, so you and the family can check them out and ha- uh, have a good day with them. Oh, totally, absolutely. See, I've been trying to sell my wife on a dog for a while, now. <laughs> dude. This yeah. is the perfect time to get one, right? No. Oh, I got to tell you the story. I gotta tell you this. Yeah. So speaking of dogs, not to steal your thunder, but this is this is crazy. I I I've been working from home. I'm very fortunate enough to be working from home. My mm-hmm. company has been fantastic, but taking care of me and, and and you know and stuff like that. So the other day, the boys were making a lot of noise inside the house, and I had to take a phone call. So I walk outside, and um, as a uh, as a holiday present, our our ownership got us AirPods last year. I hear that dog already. Oh, that's awesome. And, Oh and, yeah, yeah. He has a he has a mean bark already. Oh, believe me, it'll it'll get meaner. Trust me. Literally, <laughs> get the bass behind it. It'll go from after woof, like and you're gonna be like, whoa, where did that come from? So, I go outside. Now I live on a main road, but behind me is some woods, and then there's a development. Keep an eye on that part. So I go outside. I take this phone call. I have my AirPods. I'm just kind of walking around my patio. It's kind of what I do, and I see this dog run across my backyard. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then I was like, just a random ass dog. And I'm like, oh God. Like, I mean, I don't know where it ran off to. I'm like, oh boy, but you know, you don't chase down straight dogs like that. So I'm thinking, if it's hopefully it doesn't go out in the street, otherwise that dog is in trouble. Yeah. So finally, a couple minutes later, I'm still walking around and this dog just comes up to me really slowly. It's this little puppy, a little dog that looks like almost like a Scottish Terrier. And it's okay. not like a like a, one of those things they wear with the leash collar on the back. Well, we're not prepared to take on a dog. We have nothing here. We have nothing for dog. We have a cat. That's all we have. So we're like, we we found the dog tag on it. We called the owner and, and nobody picked up. And we're like, oh, my God. Like, what do we do? What happens here? My, my, my wife puts stuff online in our township. And then someone says, like, oh, that dog looks familiar. And then it turns out, okay, it wasn't, it wasn't the same dog they were looking at. So we had to do the thing and we're talking I'm like, okay, what do we do here? Like, and we're like, we, we can't keep it here. Like, unfortunately, or this is going to sound cold, but like we, we can't, we have nowhere to put it. And right. We you have don't have two, a crate. You don't have it, like a designated spot right. that you can safely put them. I get it, that. It, exactly. It looked like I've been run out for a couple of days because I gave it water. It went all over the water. When I gave it some chicken tenders, it would, it went nuts over it. So I'm thinking, okay, this dog might have been out for a while. So I don't know what kind of things it's got. We have two young kids. Like, you can't be having a dog here unprepared. Like literally we had like a string for the leash. We were holding it on because we had to tie two pieces of rope together because we don't have any leashes or anything. So anyway, right. So we call animal control. We finally get in touch with animal control. Say, look, this, this dog looks like it's just been, you know, we don't know what to do. Like, Oh, you want to keep it for the night? I'm like, I can't keep it for the night. I would love to, but I'd rather see it go where someplace safe. So wouldn't, you know, animal control gets there right as animal control gets there. The owner's call. They called oh, back. Wow. They had no idea. The dog's name was Bella. Had no idea the dog got out. What happened was they thought she was just hiding under her bed. Here, somehow it snuck out of the house. It ran through the woods in the development and ended up in my backyard. As <laughs> crazy as that sounds. And they and, and literally, if they had called 10 minutes later, the dog would have been with animal control. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So 
but it's crazy, Edmund, man. My son was really upset when the dog left because he was like, "Oh, happy the dog is here and stuff like that." Oh, like, of course. And when the dog left, he was really, really upset about it. So I'm like, "Yeah, now I'm trying to sell away from the dog and do that whole thing." But you know, I hope, I, like- I hope, I hope she goes for it because I've been so happy. Like he just brings a level of energy and excitement and just happiness. And whether it's a puppy or an adopted middle-aged dog or a senior dog, like whatever you want to do, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to judge anyone for how they get their dog, whether it's by breeder, like I did, like if you get a breeder dog, go for it. If that's what you want to do, we wanted a puppy. If you want to adopt a dog from, from, uh, uh, to give him a better life or her a better life, I'm going to love you, love it just as much as the the dog that I have, whatever makes you happy. Do it, and that right. dog will love you 100% of the time. Right, and that's the thing. Dogs know nothing but unconditional love. They don't know exactly. anything else. And once your dog is in a routine and that dog becomes a part of your life, I, I, listen, dogs are, are the most irreplaceable things you could ever have. It, it, well, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when I was a kid, we had to move and we were moving to, we couldn't take a dog and we had to give our dog to a family. And that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my entire life was that Yeah. like, you know, but the point is, is that that's how much a dog can mean to you because a dog is just, it, it honestly, a dog is just like a kid. You're going to find out as you go through this, man, it's just like having a kid. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Except it doesn't leave and it doesn't ever go to college or pay rent. Or anything <laughs> like that, so you're stuck. Right. <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's stuck with you for the for the its entire life uh, uh span of its life it doesn't move out of the house and get married and have its own family yep. unless you unless you go that route there's a way you could go that route but i mean i i i that's a lot of work too that's even more work than what you're anticipating exactly you don't have to have the talk when it turns like 13 <laughs> yeah. or 14 you don't catch it smoking pot in the basement like or whatever yep. like you know that sort of thing so so uh, i plan on <laughs> making him a huge hockey fan i'm going to get him the flyers collar the flyers bandana all that good stuff but i'm hoping i could do that in july of this year so let's get back to where we were on the 2014 bracket what were you what what were you thinking what where are you where are you at here with this before we go on now i'll touch on one second but you know what we can do one of the coolest things we do with your dog is we can have an episode of orange and bark check all right oh i like it i like it orange and bark check i like it (laughs) oh that'll be a bonus one we'll do like a live podcast where uh we We just bark like dogs the entire time yeah the dog is sitting with me i like it i like it a lot theme song is who let the dogs out you know what i mean (laughs) get 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 the guests like be like nate dog he might know anything about hockey but we could probably get nate dog on here or something like that (laughs) i love it oh anyway so for the 2014 format i am actually looking forward to it because i think it Looking forward to it because it's going to bring a whole new segment that the NHL is really, really going out there with it. It's really for the NHL. NHL is normally conservative and not really into these types of ideas. But the fact that the NHL is going to do something like this, I think, is fantastic. So if they're considering 24 teams to go in, and just like we talked about last week, they were talking about with the draft in June. A lot of people don't like that idea. A lot of people, even in the NHL, don't like that idea. But at the end of the day, it's Bettman's call. It's not even really the owners. It's Bettman's call. So they're going to decide about that. And either way, 
Detroit is going to get either the first or second pick. They have a 50% chance of getting the first and or second. So they're not going any lower than one of those two. Which, which rightfully so. For a right. team as bad as they've been, they have to be given one of those top picks. Right. And all the teams that they're projecting for the 2014 format were in the playoff race. The only one that was really out per se were the Canadians, I would really say. Because like you have like in the East, you have Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Florida, and then the Rangers who would be lined up in the Atlantic uh, Atlantic division. And then Montreal who was really about 10 points out, but they're keeping them in. But I'm glad to see like, especially in the West, they're all competitive teams. You had Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Minnesota was on the edge. Arizona was on the edge, but at the same time, they're all right there in points where they could have gotten in. Even Chicago, Chicago had 76 points and they would, they would, they, they would still get in at this point. That's where the bad part comes in, though. Because in a normal year, say, for instance, that all of a sudden that Chicago just catches fire. Yeah. Okay? Chicago wouldn't have been in a regular seat, and the regular NHL would have not been in the playoffs. Say they go on a run and win the Cup. I mean, great. It's fantastic. But me, that would probably piss me off. And not because the Flyers would win the Cup, because it's like, wow, like that team caught fire, but they wouldn't have qualified for the regular playoffs. That's the only thing I am concerned about. That's the only thing. Now, they're still talking about this. They haven't figured anything final out yet. Hopefully this week they'll have a decision from what Pierre Lebrun is saying. But the point is, is that there are concerns about that. And then also they're talking about there might be a buy for some teams who finish near the top. That also becomes an issue because it's like, say, for instance, you sweep a team in the first round and the other team goes seven games you got to play against. That's over two weeks that you're playing a game against. So if you have a bye and you're on the shelf for two weeks, you're not going to have that flow. Now you get to have that game well, flow, and you're going to yeah. be out of a series possibly before it even begins. Well, well I mean, wouldn't under the, the guides of that uh, potential sweep in the first round or a seven-game series – you're still waiting, whether it's a sweep or a seven-game series, you're still waiting for that next round to start. They're not They're not going to start the second round while the first round is still going, right? No, 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 no. That's or am I misunderstanding? I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. So, for instance, let's go back to um, – I hate to say I hate to break up another thing from a decade, but I'm trying to give people Flyers references. So, let's go back to 2010. The Flyers ran through the Devils in five games. Right. He's done it over with. Okay. That was a 2-7 game. Yeah. And then I believe that Boston played Buffalo that year, and they took up to six. And the reason yes. why is that first round went an extra couple of days because a couple games went to game seven. So essentially what happened was Boston didn't really have as much rest as the Flyers did. And the reason why they went down three in that series is because it really took them till about the middle of game two to really get back into a flow. So – the point is I'm trying to make is that saying that a team at the top does get a buy and that game and that series goes seven games. Yeah. Normally seven game series go about two weeks. Right. So right. you're saying that you're not going to play for two weeks on a team that just stretched out seven games. You're not going to have that flow coming oh, back right gotcha. away. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. I got yeah. you. So the rust factor could give these bottom teams an advantage over the top teams. Now the skill sets there though for the top teams, don't get me wrong, but it, believe it or not, if if it takes you a game or two to get going in the playoffs, you could already be out of a series by then. Yeah. So th- like this is I, I think we talked about this initial proposal like three episodes ago, maybe a month ago, when 
when we had like I, I I've lost all track of time. It might have been last two weeks ago's episode. I don't even know what month is it. I don't right. even know what month I, it is. I think we're we're apparently in the middle of May, we're and it feels like June. May I, exactly. It feels like freaking June out here. I mean, so it, it, it been quarantined since March. So like. I initially liked the idea of a 24 team playoff. You got 12 teams on each side and you, you, that's like the best possible way to like make it fair for the outskirt teams that are just on the outskirts. I get that. Mm-hmm. The more I look in this, like I, I like, I know it's anecdotal, but like these goal differentials, I think should play a major factor in this. Like Columbus, who's in second place in the East is still a minus seven in goal differential. Fine. I'll put them in because they're legitimately in a wild card spot. But like Montreal, who's just barely going to be getting in, I believe, if I counted this right, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Yeah, yeah they, they just get in. in at the 12. They're minus nine and they're 10 points out. Are we really going to tell ourselves that Montreal has a fair shot, is deserving of a fair shot to make the NHL playoffs? Thank I look you. at this and I'm just like, Maybe 24 teams might be too many. Maybe they just need to do two extra teams uh, and have the, the both New York teams, and that's it. Like, yeah, you'll say, okay, well, that's kind of unfair for Florida, who's a plus three goal differential, uh, but is still in fifth play, or in the fifth wild card spot, so they're all completely on the outside. But you got to draw a line somewhere, and I think that I think this is the best point. You have to factor in goal differential somewhere. And I think this is the spot to do it. Like in the West, it's kind of works itself out because Nashville is a legitimate wildcard team in the second wildcard spot, despite having a minus two goal deferential. And the rest of the teams that are included in the uh, playoff under this format they're proposing is in. But then Chicago, who's in the 12th spot, is minus six. So you can get like I can safely say like, OK, whatever. I'm fine with Chicago being out. I think they would do better with a 20 team playoff that like cut off two extra teams, because I think I can safely say it that, like Montreal's not going to be a threat and Chicago's not going to be a threat. And then you can kind of differentiate. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, I, think- yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I do. And maybe they're doing something along the lines and maybe it'll break down. It's because I guess getting to 12 might be easier to do because you'll have two teams probably yeah. near the bottom playing each other out. Uh, you know what I mean? To get down to 16 per conference. Which would factor in why they do the buy, which Correct. is like why why the buy kind of makes sense on paper. But if they also, we're also missing the other thing that they are factoring in because the more teams, the more TV ad revenue potentially for them because they are hemorrhaging money right now, especially because I'm assuming that this is factoring in absolutely no fans. You saw that with the Bundesliga uh, in Germany, soccer league this year, or just this past weekend, they came back for the first time. And I think it went pretty well. It was weird. It's naturally weird to see a team score a goal and they're celebrating and there's no one in the stands uh, of the home team that scored celebrating along with it. But you kind of just get acclimated to it and you realize the situation. Right, exactly. And, you know, I think I think the bigger picture with this is, is that there's, it's still – open it's not really decided as of yet i mean hopefully they come up with an agreement where it all works out but again i i I still have a problem with some of those teams that are because i mean think of it this way if you look at the standings as a whole you know what i mean like you're right like columbus is minus seven but let's factor the fact that their starting goaltender got hurt you know what i mean and and runas corpusalo got hurt seth jones got hurt like they lost some guys and the fact they're still competitive it would be good my concern is this 
I think my biggest concern out of all of this is this. Is it's like, look, I'm more than happy for hockey to come back and everything like that. But if you ever watch the beginning of a season, it's usually garbage for the first month. No, <laughs> it's, it, yeah. It's garbage. And I it's think similar to see, football. Yeah. It's similar to what football has developed into because these teams don't take the preseason seriously. And NHL, I would say, has never really taken the preseason seriously except for a couple of fringe players on the on entry-level contracts trying to make a name for themselves. Correct. But, like, uh, the NFL has never taken the preseason seriously. And then the first four games has become the quasi-preseason. Yeah. And, like, by the October – or November is when the season really starts to kick in a de- gear similar to the NHL. It's about a month and a half, month, month, month and a half before you really get to see these teams start to gel and take shape of what they're going to be. And Christmas. that's exactly what happened with the Flyers, really. Like Christmas. They, Remember yeah. Vigneault said it? He said right. teams that usually adapt to systems and stuff like that. It's all about Christmas. So like, And that's exactly you know, what you saw. Like the yeah. disastrous West Coast uh, <laughs> swing, fine, yeah. that's post-Christmas. But January – Everything yeah. was hunky dory. They're in yeah. the second place. Like, yeah. come on. I'm just worried about not seeing good playoff hockey. Like, for instance, like a team like Toronto could catch fire because they have a lot of young guys who can score. And yeah. defense is going to be a little bit turnt a little bit. Like it's going to be a little bit and I wouldn't say tight, but teams work out through the season as far as they they work out the kinks early in the year. They start really getting into it around like Christmas and stuff like that. And then as you hit like February, March, you start to hit that stride where the teams start transitioning into more uh, playoff style hockey, tighter checking, you know, more defensive oriented stuff like that. Like you still yeah. have your high scoring affairs, but that transition needs to progress throughout the season to get these teams prepared for the playoffs because that's what it winds up happening. My concern is that. You know, like let's look at Tampa at the beginning of the year. Tampa was garbage at the beginning of the year. They weren't oh, they even were in the awful. playoff space. And now their differentials plus fifty. Like they, they went on a tear throughout January and February. So the issue is now is is a team like Tampa, who might play a team like Toronto, gonna get upset by a team like Toronto who starts out a little bit faster. So again, like this whole but, pause but, but, thing but, gives me a little bit concerned is like hey. I don't want to say an asterisk next to it, but are you going to get really playoff quality hockey? No, we're not. Like, I think, like, we talked about it two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Again, I don't know the concept of time anymore. Like, th- th- no matter what happens this year, an asterisk is going next to the Stanley Cup champion. Whether it's the Possibly. Flyers, whether it's the Flyers, Boston, Tampa Bay, um, Chicago, Vegas, like these teams, sadly, whether it's fair or not, at the end of the day, I, I would just say, okay, this team is the Stanley Cup champion for the 2019-2020 season. Let's move on. Like, it, it, just embrace what we're focused with, and our teams gonna, our fans and teams gonna complain. Probably, but when has we never seen a team or heard a team complain or fair. bitch about something? Fair, yeah, right. fair point. And here's the only thing, you know, this is gonna sound blasphemous, mm-hmm. but I I want to see the Flyers win the cup. It would just really suck if it were this year, for one reason, is that you know what what did you do after the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Tell me what you did. Oh, I went down the South Street at three a.m. Okay, you went like, down I, like I, I like I was with my family for the entire game uh-huh. at my wife's parents' uh, house. We watched the game, and I remember all. I'm still convinced my dad gave me a concussion when he tackled me into the couch, and we just celebrated that entire like for that entire night. I remember going into work that day on 15 minutes of sleep. <laughs> like it was nice. It was yeah, insane. it was great. Okay, you know what I did? I 
we we freaked out after the fumble. I, I knew they were going to win it then. And then when they won, I was in shock. And he, we went. I was in Fishtown at my buddy's house. Yep. And because I, I always said, if the Eagles won, I want to be there. Because after seeing the Phillies win in 08 and running down Broad Street with everybody from Temple, it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But like, I remember we went on the L, and there were guys on top of the L, so we got the lane. <laughs> They oh were on top God. of the train at the L. Oh, that's right. Because around that area, it, it's outdoors. It's, yeah, it's open. Yeah. It's, in, it's not underground like a normal subway. That's exactly. hilarious. Yeah, there were times on top of the L and like they had to stop <laughs> the train. And then finally, like they found that they had stayed up there the whole ride up the second street. So everybody got off at second street. And then we went down to City Hall. And we went around City Hall and just celebrated with most random people just freaking out and seeing all this stuff. And to me, that was better than the actual parade that occurred a few days later and right, because of that right, celebration right, yep. because now this year here's the thing it sucks that the flyers from the stanley cup yes we get to enjoy it don't get me wrong it would I mean believe me i'll probably shed a few tears if it ever happens the point is is that you're not going to be able to have that celebration i mean there, there probably wouldn't be a parade you're definitely not going to be able to do that thing down and, and everybody just randomly celebrating down yeah. at city hall that's a good point. And like, that would really, really suck because that takes away the fun of it. Like, I mean, you know, let's be let's clarify here. People are going to do that. Yeah. I'm not like I'm right. going to look out for right. my safety. And right. I hope you would, too, as a listener would realize this situa- situation. Like even if I, I think I'm assuming playoffs start in August, the cup is awarded in September or something Mm -hmm. is my with how they want to schedule this thing after it's all said and done or maybe they just start right in July I don't know but like yeah we it's still so unknown about what this virus is going to be doing yeah I'm not going outside and celebrating with random people I'll celebrate with my family and go down to my parents house or something yeah but that's the most I'm doing if this were to happen see and that's the thing too like if you know, like my my buddy and I, we've always said, like, you know, if there's ever a game seven at home, yeah. I don't care. We're buying tickets, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we we made that pack when we were younger, and we still talk to each other about it this day. Like, you know, my buddy Jeff, who actually got me into the sport, and we've always said, like, dude, like if they go to game seven, like not game five, not game six. I mean, if they ever go to a game seven of a final, we're there, like, because we know tickets are going to be like a thousand dollars to begin with. So, so I don't want to go to like you a, were one game away from doing it in twenty ten. No, it wasn't because they were game six. They would have been to Chicago. Oh, it would have been Chicago. Yeah. Oh, right. So Chicago's, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I, I didn't, ha- I didn't have an opportunity. That's the thing. I was working for the radio station at the time. And that was the only series I didn't get a chance to go to. Like, I thought like everything was going to work out where I like, oh my God, I'd be there for, for, for game six and all that stuff. Thank God yeah. it wasn't. But I mean, but at the same yeah. time, like, you know, the whole thing is, is that I don't want to, my whole idea is this, like if they have a chance to win it at five at home or win it at six at home, like, you know what I mean? There's still a chance to lose that. And frankly, with all due respect, I'm not going to go spend a thousand dollars to watch them lose. If I want to do something, I'll yeah. make sure it's memorable. You know what no, I mean? So a seven is one way or the other, because it's a game seven. Like I, yeah. I will, I will spend my money, and go watch them in game seven versus Stanley cup, because it would just be a great experience no matter what happened. But the point is, is that we're not even going to be able to, to go have that opportunity this year with that because you know there there's nobody going to be in the stands and all that stuff so like i think it's going to be more than just an asterisk of who wins the stanley cup it's going to be wow that was the year that nobody really got to celebrate it you know what i mean and that that's what really would suck about the fact if they won this year don't get me wrong as i said if they win this year it'll be the greatest thing ever but it would suck because we wouldn't be able to celebrate in a philadelphia fashion like yeah i didn't even i didn't even think about that like knowing Philadelphia's 
like how they've been operating, handling, handle, and whatever. I, I don't want to like I don't want to get into debate of how they've been handling it, but like just based on what they ha- how they have been doing this. They're not even going to hold a parade for a champion. Like even Bingo. T- like even if the Eagles won the Super Bowl next year with football coming back, like there's not going to be a parade. I yeah. gar- I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially because they're talking about a second wave too. So like that's the thing. And, and frankly, listen, I'm I will be perfectly honest with people. I went to the Eagles parade. Maybe it's cuz where I was at but there wasn't really anything fun about it. It was, it was cold. Yeah. We waited five hours and they went by in 30 seconds. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. Now, like, it really was underwhelming in a sense. Don't get me wrong. Greatest thing ever that happened. But the, the celebration was the night of my, and no, that's the thing is great. that, that, that pure unadulterated excitement and just pure joy. You know what I mean? Like a parade is a rah-rah thing, especially for the kids. The kids get into it and they get excited. Like, wow, like we did it. You know, it's like the ticker tape style, but, down there at city hall when when this city wins a championship it's life-changing like seriously like no joke like i was there in 08 and like ran from cecil b and broad down to city hall we all ran thousand temple students man it was insane ran i just i got the gerard and one random dude just threw me a beer it was coolest thing ever and the whole point of that is that it's just everybody getting together and just celebrating that moment and we, right. we won't we won't get that joy and that, that that bothers me a little bit. I feel like there's also going to be a small faction, and I think I would be a part of this that would do a social distance celebration with people. Like I would get a poll out. Like I would like like uh, like just somehow somehow some way. I think people would also because Philly is special. I love yeah. this city in terms of like making things work. I think the people that are like you and I who wouldn't go out and be hugging random strangers in celebration of something like this, but like we would be able to do it in our own safe way. Like, again, we're not going down the broad street, but within our own confines of our neighborhood, our street, wherever we live, I think there's something along that, that would be pretty cool. That would be memorable. Or maybe we may have like everybody just drove down the Schuylkill and honked their horns and yeah, flashed exactly. their lights or something like that. Like yep. you know what I mean? Like and then like have like a, a route where people could do like jump on jump on the uh the, the parkway and then jump on the Schuylkill and then you know maybe you can take it down like the blue route and go up ninety five and make a giant circle out of it. You know what I mean? Like yep. Yep. just celebrate something we're just making a whole bunch of noise and enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like that would be really cool to do, but yeah, I, I hope something like that would be working. That's actually really intriguing too. Like to do something like that. That would, I think that would actually work. I, but honestly, like it's just something that I'm intrigued to see what happens in any city that wins a championship. Because yeah. yes, yes, yeah. Philadelphia is different. Like I like I legitimately believe Philadelphia is one of the most is the most passionate sports city in the country. But like there are other cities that go hard with their celebrations, and you saw that. Obviously, we can talk about Boston and like whatever they have their championships, and right they still do. But like these cities, St. Louis went crazy. Kansas City went nuts after yeah. they beat the uh, after they won the Super Bowl. Like it's just one of those things that you're just like, I can't wait to see this uh, how this plays out. Like I hope they do it safely, but do it. Do it safely and intelligently to make us proud to just say that is cool to be able to say that is really cool to see 
I just hope it's not against the Flyers. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> because if go. it's the Flyers, listen, obviously I'm going to be crying and sulking myself to sleep every you know, night. For them yeah, I'm not going to lie. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, after they lost in 2010, like, I was already going through a hard part of life coming out of my first year of college and trying to figure out life on its own. Yeah. Imagine getting up that high and be like, oh, my God, they're going to do this. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. And then just being thrown on your face like that. Yeah. It really sucked. Oh, it really, I took, it took me honestly until about 2012 actually, to get over it. This is a great, great tease because I'll, I'll, we have, we've done the Flyers flashback with game one of the 97 uh, Stanley Cup final against the Detroit Red Wings. And that's obviously a heartbreaker because of the sweep. It was a 4 0. The Flyers, they had a chance, and we'll get into that as we continue to add more videos. Keep on the lookout uh, for our second video of game two that year. But like, I feel like I, there was more heartbreak in 2010 than 97. Oh, yeah, no, I, can, I can tell you from experience, 97 just pissed me off. Like, and I yeah. and, and I think it pissed a lot of people off because, like, you 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 were expected to be that team, like, and to get run over like you did by Detroit was just embarrassing. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, I don't think there was anybody really sad about it. It was just embarrassing. Like, oh my god, like this is just disgusting to watch it was just yeah uh, i mean listen you're people people are gonna see that because what i'll do is that it'll be game two we'll break down game two and then we'll do three and four together because not much happened in game four except the detroit one but the point is is like it's just it's just it really turned out to be a real boring series and that's because they played the left wing lock and the trap and the flyers offense could never figure it out with the devils and they couldn't figure out with detroit so right um that was annoying series I, for for me, as I talked about last week, you know, or two weeks ago, whatever the hell it was, um, <laughs> we're losing. We're, a lot has happened. I think we're circling a black hole like they are in Interstellar, just losing it, all space of time. Yes. It might have been seven years. Who the hell knows? Interstellar and uh, the first season of True Detective. Just time <laughs> no. is a flat circle. We oh, have no yeah. idea where we're at. Exactly. Exactly. Even the third season, the new one they had, I thought that was better than people think it was. That was actually oh, was really better. cool. Like, they went back and forth. Yeah. It's a good idea. If you have it, if you're looking for something to watch during quarantine, season three of True Detective is definitely up there and you don't need to have seen season two no don't watch uh, season two don't watch it vince don't vaughn, watch it vince vaughn and uh, who was it colin farrell colin farrell and then they oh, had um, oh geez i just her name just flew out of my head oh, rachel, rachel mcadams yep 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 yeah so it's season one of true detective is the best thing ever best yeah. thing ever um, I got through Waco, by the way, as a side note, I got through Waco. Oh, Waco, good. Waco good was show. awesome. It was so good. There's another um, show on Netflix that I just dove into. It's about, um, the Unabomber, uh, Ted Krasinski. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, it's in, it's an interview he did with an exclusive, exclusive interview you did with this woman. I want to say she was a reporter for a local newspaper there. I forget exactly what her title is, but it's only four episodes. It's very good. So just, I think it's the Unabomber in his own words on Netflix. It's I highly recommend that. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, but anyway, as I was saying, I digress. Um, 04, 04 for, for me anyway, I know you were probably like, you know, in, in preschool, but still like, you know, <laughs> you know, 04, 04 for me hurt the most, honestly. And yeah. I think that was, that one hurt because you knew, like I said, I've, I've said it many times. They went into a lot. You know they were going to a lockout. That team was the most stacked team, and just to get so close and just their injuries, just really see like how it just ended a team that season. Like that team would have won the Stanley Cup. There's no question in my mind they would have beaten Calgary. No question in my mind yep. at all. But 2010 hurts for a different reason because Danny Briere said it best. 
at the end of game six, he goes, we thought this is our destiny. Like that 2010 team. Yes. It was a decade ago. Yes. Most Flyers fans now still remember that team. Yeah. But what was so painful about that is because they went through so much to get there and to have it not happen is like, dude, the only analogy is, is like, okay, you get the girl and then you take her on the best date and she enjoys herself. And then at the end of the night, she, she won't, she just ends it with you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, and that's, that's a good comparison. And that's the way it is. Like, you know, it, I don't want to go with like, there's no dirty analogies or anything like that. So people in you, and, 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 you know, <laughs> that's the end of the night. Like, oh, I wasn't feeling it. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it felt. It just, it was just an emptiness. Like, wow. And like the crazy thing was, is like, because it went into like early June, there was really no time to recover like on the off season for that. Because next thing you know, it's like, oh, we're at the drafts. Like what? Like it, hockey just ended now. It's starting back up again. That 2010-2011 season, yes, they came close to winning the President's Trophy, but as soon as you knew they were playing Boston, you knew they were going to win. Like you just, I mean, just they, you knew that Boston was out to get them that year. And I think that 2010 season, that that the fact I was I was at the second to last game of the season where they could have clinched it in New York. I was there yeah. in yeah. New York for that, and they didn't do it. And then being there for when they won the shoot, I was there for that. I was there when Carcillo scored in overtime. I was there when they won Game Six against Boston. I was there when they won the the um, Prince of Wales Trophy in Game Five against the Canadians. Like I had spent a lot of my time personally, like in all about that and to have it not happen like for me that was really off like it, it took me till about then when they had the facelift for 2012 to really get into energized for the team again because even next year the following season like it just it didn't feel like magical like it did the year before it didn't you know feel I mean? magical and that's sadly when pronger started to go downhill that was the end of pronger's career like we, we yeah, just pronger got hurt that he had to have back surgery in 2011 yeah. and missed a lot of time with that and then and, the back and then the head and then it was yeah, over yeah exactly like his career downhill was faster like it i don't want to say it was faster than lindros's because lindros obviously was just like a dirty play and it was just a terrible scenario situation but like there are similarities to it, and it just was heartbreaking because it was the old. It still is. People still wonder what would have happened if Lindros had never gotten the John Stevens hit. What would have happened? Like, oh. would Lindros have stayed around for another three or four seasons, and they would have competed again for a I cup? They, like, they, it's a, and they similar to Pronger, what if, like Pronger was at the end of his career. We knew that, but still, his contract only ran out three years ago. And yeah. defensemen can last forever in the NHL. So it's like, yeah. what would have Char. Char is 42 and he's still playing. He's still playing at an elite level, surprisingly. Yeah. Like, he's still good. Like, you know, I think with the Pronger thing, if you want to make comparisons to who it was like, the, the closest thing I could think of is Keith Primo. Lindros is a different story because if if you remember the 99-2000 season, which you probably weren't because you probably weren't even born yet. But the whole point <laughs> is, and so the whole idea is that that season, and especially with, the, remember the book I told you I was reading about the Flyers at 50. The, the whole thing is about that. They when 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 Lindros wasn't there, mm-hmm. he actually the team actually gelled and played better because it wasn't that drama in the room. So that's, yeah, that's when true. he came yeah. back and caused distraction. But you know, at that point, you know, I mean, the only thing you can make a comparison for Pronger would be Keith Primo because that 0506 team fell apart without him, and 0607 yeah. happened because of that. But you're right. Like you mentioned, it, I think you mentioned it if we were in pre-show or talking. That Chris Pronger's injury caused the Flyers to go through five years of mediocrity, and no, it, it took did. him. It, it, it took it, him from 
2012 to now to rebuild that entire franchise. Yeah. And like, I think I, I, I'll wrap with this. Like, I think it's just one of those things where between Pronger's uh, tragic injury, I, don't, I, I guess tra- tragic, sad, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then what Hextall's bumpy road to like at the end of the day, we're going to look at Ron Hextall's career trajectory path and as GM here. And I think he's going to be needed to be more appreciated. He's going to be like, oh, um, oh, oh yeah. Oh like yeah. The guy who, oh, I'm blanking on the Phillies GM before Ruben. Ed Wade. Ed Wade. Ed Wade needs so much more uh, uh, praise than he got at the end of his year because he got you the pieces. He got you Jimmy Rollins. He got you uh, Chase Utley. He got you Ryan Howard. And he just like they just took forever to bring him up. And similar to Ron Hextall, he got you Carter Hart. He brought you Travis Konechny. He got you Ivan Provorov. So like, what did he? And he gave you a a, a pipeline of goaltenders. You have of uh, the oh I oh, Sandstrom out in Sweden, who's now starting to come over. It's just like at the end of the day, we're going to have to look at Ron Hextall and say, he knew what he was doing. He just took forever to do it. And that was his detriment. Let me ask this before we wrap up. Who do you think built the 90s teams? Who was the GM then? Bobby Clark. Right. And Bobby Clark got way too much credit for what he did. Who brought Lindros to Philly? It wasn't Clarkie. Was it? It was Russ Farwell. I was going to say, yeah, I, I I always forget about Russ, but yeah. yeah. Russ Farwell, during the years where Paul Holmgren was coach and Bill Deneen was coach, who, who was Kevin Deneen's dad, during the early 90s, Farwell started bringing some of these guys in, like Rod Brindamore. Okay? He originally got Mark Recchi the first time. Yeah, He bought a lot of these pieces in, and then Clarkie is the one who got him over the finish line by getting Desjardins and McClare, and, but Clarkie could never find a goalie. Uh, right. The problem was... And it's really interesting. We'll talk about another time that, that where, where that the Flyers should have gotten Cujo instead of Van Beesbrook. That's a, that's a different day. But the point is, is that Clarky didn't really do much. And the more I read this book, Clarky pulled the trigger on a lot of moves that did not pan out. Chris yeah. Bratton, some of the moves that Clarky made did not pan out well at all. It you just was, think he does because he gets these big names or trades these big right. names so you're like wow this is really drastic this is probably going to work exactly. and it never did it was it was the smaller moves that actually made more impact positively than the big ones like the chris Granger was a nightmare but like some of the things that he did like after after 04 like he had all his cards shown like you know what i mean he there was nobody who was gonna be able to deal with him because he had leveraged the Flyers' financial situation and then leveraged all their young talent. I mean, Patrick Sharp, he's won two, three Stanley Cups, and he was here, and they gave him up for nothing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. Clarkie did a lot more harm than people think than what he did here, especially with the Lindros situation. Oh, 100%. And that's what really was – you could go farther than just 2010 with Pronger and Hextall of the downfall of the Flyers of mediocrity. Like you could argue the argument it was after the lockout. Like they just got stuck in this rut and 2010 was fun and all and it's tr- it sucks at how they lost. But it was kind of a hiccup compared to anything of what the team was. But like at the end of the day, they're finally back competitive. And that's what this all leads back to. Is this Flyers team going to have a chance at winning the Stanley Cup in 2020 for the 2020 season, whether it's a 20-team playoff, 24, or they decide, you know what, F it. We're just going to have these 16 teams that are currently qualified and go from there. I don't, yeah. There's no way that that's going to happen because they need to add as many teams as 
fairly possible in my that's what it seems to be boiling down to that's why they're doing this 24 team so it's just like are we ever going to see this and how are they going to win this and whether it's an asterisk next to it or not an asterisk we don't care we just want to see hockey at this point like i want to see they can't have in a less than two decade span of not being able to award the stanley cup they just can't do it Right. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And they didn't award it to the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. I, I don't think that they're they're not going to not do anything here. We already know that they are going to come back. It's just a matter of when and who wins it. And is it going to be one of those things where, oh, you want it because of this? Uh, you know, it's just it's going to be interesting to see a play out, honestly, because you might have a team like Montreal that had no chance to win it and they could win it. Yeah, we have a team like Arizona right now. They're out, and they could get hot and go back at it. And like I said, that's my only concern about it. I just really hope that they wind up figuring out a plan, and hopefully that one team doesn't go on a Cinderella run, not name the Flyers. Right. I, I just – yeah, I, I think there's less likely – I think I have a thought that just – the better team that should win of the top three or whoever you want to argue as the top five teams that should be winning the Stanley Cup this year between the Flyers, Penguins, uh, uh, Colorado, Vegas, whoever it may be. Like, I think that that'll, it'll never, there's, I think, but at the end of what I'm trying to say is there's less of a chance of an upset than this season than any other time because of how this is all going to work. Yeah. yeah gonna add these teams, but I think the better teams know that they're better and you'll really see that on the ice because of this long break. Because I think bad teams aren't going to be able to gel quickly because they're bad. They're bad teams. They're average teams. So what's the what? What's to tell us that they're going to be able to gel in less than two weeks or three weeks, whatever break they get, and then they're expected to play in a playoff series? It's a lot to ask for of an average team. Uh, not really, because the St. Louis Blues were dead last going well, yeah, into the that, new year. But again, year. that wasn't a stoppage. They're, they didn't have a stoppage for two months or three months at the end of this. I get that. Because I of a that. virus. Right. It's easier, it was easy, not easier, but, well, I guess it was easier because they continued to have your magic word, flow. Their okay. flow is completely effed up now. I appreciate using that word. I love right. it. But here's another thing you want to take from this as well. The guys who are on average teams who are were hurt are now probably – either healthy or close to it guy like Seth Jones. He's a difference maker. So for a team like Columbus, that was out pretty much outside or on the edge looking in and was 10 games away from either getting in or, or out. They're a team now that they're getting a piece like that back that they weren't that changes them drastically. Sure. So, you know, like the flyers, like they would have JVR back now that changes them drastically. Although I don't know, JVR takes about a month to get going anyway. So, you right. know, but the whole point is, is that, that that's my concern. A guy like Seth Jones comes in on a team really outside looking in and becomes that difference maker. Yeah. And that's, and, and they go on and, and that's and like, it'll be entertaining. It'll be great to watch. You know, a lot of this is just speculation the way we're talking, but you have to look at that scenario. Like, wow, like Columbus won because if they wouldn't have won the cup, if they hadn't gotten Seth Jones back, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, you're going to be hearing that crap no matter what oh, in the course. future. And you just got to ignore it at the end of – like I'm not going to – like people will put an asterisk on this. I would – I'll try not to unless something – Yeah, you win the cup, or, you win the cup. Look at the yeah. end of the day. If the cup is in a tournament and you're going for that tournament, you're going for the gold. 
It doesn't yep. matter who you're playing against. You, 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 you go for the cup. I mean, every team's goal is to go win the cup. Yep. Even if you're not good enough, it's still going to get the cup. And when the cup isn't there, okay, how do you make this the best team possible that you have? But every team, 24 teams when trying to win the cup, I think it's going to be great. It's just going to be – I just don't want to be surprised. Like, wow, like all that for a team like – you know, like Montreal was 10 points out to win a cup because they got hot at the right time. Yeah. That, that, that's the only, that's my only point. So before we wrap, speaking of tournaments, we have our own tournament of ourselves that we got to decide. And our listeners have narrowed this down to the final four, except for one. So we have a decision to make. Our curb versus Seinfeld bracket was down to the final eight. And here are the final four, three of the four. And then I'll give you the four, the final matchup that you and I have to decide here. So the fi- the one final eight matchup was the face painter versus the invitations. The face painter won handedly, which was uh, nice to see. Yes, good. So face painters in the final four. It's going going up against the winner of Festivus and Hamptons. Again, no shock really. Festivus <laughs> is the winner. Yep. I agree. And rest in peace, Jerry Stiller, by the way. Yes. Really sucks to see that. Your your boy just you come along to enjoy the, Seinfeld. The he, guy he, that was the only reason Seinfeld was good. <laughs> the guy that was – what a staple. I loved uh-huh. it. And then uh, the other matchup here was the doll versus Palestine chicken. The doll episode of Curb. There was two doll episodes. We'll get to the other one in a minute. The doll of the Curb episode versus Palestine chicken. And Palestine Chicken won handedly. Wow. See, I'm shocked about that. I yeah, am I was totally shocked, how, shocked about that. I was shocked by how wide of a margin, but I wasn't shocked that Palestine Chicken won. Oh, man, that's shocking. I mean, the end, the, look, there's nothing funnier on TV than that last scene in the doll. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's just, that was just the most, <laughs> all like, <laughs> I can't, you have, if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. I'm sure everybody's watching this point, but. What the girl says, and Larry's just shocked, and if you hear people outside, it's 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 absolutely just amazing. Like who, first of all, who thinks of that? Right. <laughs> Second of all, who doesn't? Right. Exactly. Now the final matchup, we have to decide because it was literally a 50-50 split in the vote on our Facebook wow. page. Wow. Carpool Lane versus Costanza Doll. A curb, a, another curb, a, a head-to-head matchup between Curb and Seinfeld. I still lean carpooling in out of this one because of how uh, the backstory of it, it's a little bit of an advantage and not part of the episode, but the guy that got away with literally was acquitted of murder because of this, I I think gets the edge for me. And it was just a funny ass episode. It was absolutely hysterical between the hooker, the yeah. weed, the, 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 the going to the airport, the, the, the chair is spoken for. I lean carpooling. Billy, here's the thing. Costanza doll is a legendary episode <laughs> because you have Mrs. Costanza, a doll that looks exactly like Mrs. Costanza, and George is hearing voices in his heads. Georgie, why are you eating with your hands? Why do you eat so fast you, know what? you can't even taste it? You know what? So, I'm going to give it to Costanza doll in honor of Jerry Stiller. See, because- I'm glad you said that because I was actually going to go carpooling. Oh, wow. Damn it. So now we're split again. Uh, Now we're split. We're going to put Costanza Doll in the final four. So the final four matchup is the face. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. 
Jerry Stiller's more known for Festivus, I would say, instead of uh, the other that's one. true. All right, so you but want to do for the end when he when he when he goes when he goes after the doll. All right, then let's do Carpool Lane. I, I think I think Carpool Lane gets the edge here. Look, as much as that hilarious hey. thing is, it's parts of it. The point is, you're absolutely right. How many storylines are in that one episode? Yeah. Of of and how many different things happen in the one episode of Carpool Lane? It's just complete nonsense. I got to give it to Carpool Lane. All right. Well, this get then in that way too. It guarantees us a uh, Seinfeld versus Curb final because the final Ooh. four is Carpool Lane up against Palestine Chicken, and the Seinfeld episodes of the Face Painter versus Festivus in the final four. That's gonna be tough, man. Wow. So we're gonna leave it to you guys. You have to follow us on Facebook, Orange and Backcheck. Give us a shout out on Twitter as well and Instagram. Just same thing, Orange and Backcheck. Uh, is the link, or we might change ourselves to orange and bark check for a day or two. Just, <laughs> just, just why not? <laughs> like, there are no rules anymore. How about arfage and bark check? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm here all week. All right. When we have quarantine, we oh, think of these ridiculous things like this. Blowing. By the way, yes, uh, I, I got um, someone. Uh, I think it was on Facebook or Twitter. I forget what. When the NHL officially announces it's coming back, we are going to ramp up our – we're going to, one, have an emergency podcast because we have to do it. Uh, we'll drop everything. We'll find a way to get a podcast out that same day yep. or same night. Like, no question about that. Podcast for sure. Uh, so keep on the lookout for that. But, again, we're going to keep doing these. We're back on our normal schedule. The dog is here. He's all good. I think he just went number two finally. He's all healthy. He's number. He's good. Uh, the dog is here, so we've gotten that all settled. Uh, Scott is locked and loaded for as much as he can be, I'm sure, because you're all pent up with I without can't. sports, and you can only go for your nightly drive that I'm sure I'm delaying right now. Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I forgot I was going to do that. You're right, but you are delaying my nightly drive. But, I mean, I've been out a couple times today with the whole thing we talked about before the show with my lawnmower and my car today. Yeah. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> but I do have a couple announcements that I'm going to make next week. It's something we can actually talk about. I can't wait. I love announcements. So Good we stuff. thank you for listening. Uh, always give us a shout out on Facebook and Twitter, as I said. Orange and Batcheck at gmail.com if you want to vote that way. I don't know why you would want to vote that way. The Facebook poll is just as good, if not easier. So for Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt, have a good week. Mowgli? 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 How do you, What? Mowgli! <laughs> <laughs>